We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live Victory Monday edition of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. There's more options to do banking now more than ever. Who you work with is more important than how close they are to your home. Emprise has digital banking that meets you where you are on your phone, on your computer, even your smartwatch. They're a trusted partner. At your fingertips, that is Emprise Bank, member FDIC. Wonderful, uh, wonderful people there. Um, normally, I, I jump to Maddie here, but Craig, that's a nice tie you're wearing. Oh, thank you. I, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. Just so happen to be wearing the gear today, the national team gear. Still supporting them. Yikes, yikes. Maddie, my friend, let's talk about football. Football's more fun to talk about for me today. How are we doing today, bud? Proper football. That's proper football we must talk about. Um, so first and foremost, Chargers fans, get lost. Go take your little <laughs> March AFC West championship trophy, put it in the back of the closet underneath the sh- empty shoe boxes, just like you have for the last decade, because yet again, your team is irrelevant. This time it happened before Thanksgiving. So be thankful that you have nice family members that love you because your team doesn't <laughs> how, how long did you have that like worked out 10 seconds ago when you threw it to craig about his tie <laughs> good lord and oh it's so delicious it really is delicious this like we had a lot of fun last night on the on the post game show uh with good reason that she's basically won the afc west last night and like i know like hey don't get ahead of yourself 
I am not I'm not gonna jinx us here, but if Chad Henney played the rest of the season, the Chiefs would still win the AFC West. <laughs> if Shane Buchel did, they'd still win the AFC West. Because the Chargers well, yeah. aren't even fake good. They're just not good. There's a lot of vitriol here. Like, and it's funny because like we're pivoting from just like excitement about the game now to like you're just running your mouth. Like <laughs> why not? I I I encourage it. I think it's you great. Guys, listen, you guys are at a bar. You can sit there and yell about how great the Chiefs are when it's 1 a.m. at a bar and grill, not when you have kids sleeping two rooms away from you. <laughs> I didn't get to unleash all of this last night because I had to be an adult and a parent, so it's coming out now while their kids you know, are maybe just trying to fall asleep instead of in the middle of their slumber. Well, any roasting is 100% warranted today. Uh, Talk whatever, say whatever you want to say, leave whatever comment you want to, to leave, run your mouth as much as you feel like, uh, in the comments, we will make Jordan post, uh, plenty of these. It's going to be a lot of fun today. So, uh, we are celebrating the Kansas city chiefs beating the Los Angeles chargers 30, 27 in comeback style celebrating. Like Travis Kelsey says, Jason Thomas, I just hope whatever object you threw at your wall doesn't hit one of your family members. Hopefully the family's not in town yet for Thanksgiving and it's not a busy house because that's all Travis Kelsey was doing. We could talk. Let's just start with Travis Kelsey and Patrick LeVon Holmes. Why not? Let's just talk about the dynamic duo, the two best players at their position possibly ever. Uh, putting on an Skyboard is good, but I, I didn't want to go that far already. <laughs> okay, we can. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes put on an absolute clinic yesterday. Uh, it was fun to see that dynamic duo again leading their team to success. And a lot of the ancillary pieces around them were not there, got hurt during the game. The Chiefs were playing. It, it, it looks like if you if you take if you took Travis Kelsey off the top of the list of the box score for receivers. It looks like a preseason game. And I'm not knocking the guys that caught passes. Those are the guys that were playing a lot during, you know, week three of the preseason. What those two, what Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes did together, three touchdowns, big moments, big conversions, that dynamic duo was pretty special, Matthew. Oh, uh, absolutely. And we know it. Those two always are going to be, right? When you're, you're in Chiefs fan. We've seen this enough, long enough at this point in time. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback player in the NFL right now. And I just, I think it goes under the radar because of Tyreek Hill, because the Chiefs have recently had a Tony Gonzalez, because Rob Gronkowski just existed, how good Travis Kelsey is. And I think a lot of it too is he does it, I guess, slightly differently than a lot of other tight ends that came before him. Like, yes, he's in the same mold of some of these other tight ends that are a little bit more athlete, a little bit more of a receiver than per se a blocker like it was you know designed back in the 60s or whenever titans became a big thing but he just did it so differently it's always been yards after catch it's been his route running it's been splitting out wide and as he's gotten up there in years i think everybody is unanimously waiting for this fall off george kittle's better mark andrews is better they ain't hunter henry a former charger who was pitted up as being better never was they just, nobody's better and they're not going to be. He's the best tight end to ever play. And we'll come circle back around to Mahomes, I'm sure, and talk about how mm -hmm. great he is. But I think there, even as Chiefs fans from time to time, it gets lost on us just how good Travis Kelsey is. I mean, this is, I don't even want to say it was under the radar, but this is one of the most uh, a whole hum three touchdown down at performances <laughs> you could almost have because everything was a short catch where he was running in. And even then they weren't like these most, 
highlight level plays outside of the the grand scheme of the game. I mean, for an old guy that has fallen off and taken a step back, that man sure gets a lot of yak and <laughs> outruns a whole lot of it. Ask Asante Samuel how oh. that is. Ask Derwin James, who he beat like a drum. Like a drum. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie. Just how it is. Travis Kelsey right now is set up to break every single season tight end record that there is. Yards, touchdowns, receptions. They're all on the table for Travis Kelsey, and he is on pace to break every single one of them. For reference, that is 1,454 yards, 19 touchdowns, and 119 receptions, just shattering records. I, It is obscene how well he is playing inside an offense that, frankly, when you look around, and especially last night, the the Los Angeles Chargers really only need to focus on stopping Travis Kelsey. Like if Sky Moore beats you, I'm sure that the defensive coordinator would have sat there and gone, yeah, that's fine. Sky Moore can beat us. That's fine. Kadarius Tony beats us. That's fine. He obviously went out early. If Marquez Valdez Scantling beats us. That's fine. Just don't let Travis Kelsey beat us. And that's what teams have had to focus on all year long and it hasn't mattered he is having the best season of his career he is still posting ridiculous numbers in his 10th year as a pro i mean he's a first ballot hall of famer he just is at this point and this season is going to kind of rubber stamp every question mark that everybody ever had about him being the greatest tight end that has ever played the game you know we talked a little bit last year um about snap count and usage and kind of seeing maybe some some trends that were not alarming but just hey like this is the reality you might not be able to lean on him entirely as much moving forward uh kyle actually kyle coffee i think is talking a little bit about uh 70 77 of the snaps this year uh jordan if you get it up helping him stay incredibly fresh i i think there's some merit to that because he looked like how old is he 34 he looks like 24 30 i mean like he looked like a he was so spry and fluid and explosive out of his breaks like that touchdown like his his break was outstanding on that little little underneath route that they ran to him to close the you know to essentially close that game out i was just really blown away with how well he's moving how um how good he looks in year 10 and it makes you you know it makes you think like we talk like i'm i'm not i'm you you have life after Kelsey in the back of your head a little bit, I think, at this point. If if you're a Chiefs fan, just because Mahomes is going to outplay Kelsey, out outplay length of career. You know, he's going to be playing longer than Kelsey is around. Oh, so you think? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know at this point. Uh, but man, I, I I just it doesn't look like the it doesn't look like the wheels are falling off at all, and it's just like it, those two are just such constants together. Uh, so yeah, tra Travis Kelsey appreciation off the top. I guess Patrick Levon Mahomes, the runaway and hide MVP of the 2023 NFL season, is probably where we should go next. Because we say, hey, look, the Travis Kelsey stuff gets lost. I don't think we're talking contextually what Matt Patrick Mahomes just did with with Travis Kelsey, and then a, a bunch of guys he hasn't had a ton of production to the rest of the season. It is it. I, I looked at something and Sky Moore and Justin Watson both had around 100, 115 yards receiving heading into this game. Uh, Jody Fortson hasn't played as much this year, has been hurt. 
doesn't have a ton of production. And I, I, actually, my brother tweeted this out. Actually, at one point, the his two starting receivers had no catches on the day. <laughs> Marquez Valdez Skitling's first catch came at the end of the game in the op- in that final drive. But like Mahomes, just it it didn't matter who was around him, and not to dis- diminish the 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 depth of the talent that this team has, because like all those guys made plays. Sky Moore made plays. Justin Watson made plays. Uh, Jody Fortson made plays. But like Mahomes was was dealing last night. He was just he was on it. He was on one. And like the 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 play that exemplifies it the most to me. I think I'm gonna be writing a little bit about this tonight too. The play that exemplified it the most to me was the Jody Fortson vertical where, mm-hmm. hey, look, the Chiefs are a little bit shorthanded. They're playing, you know, they're playing a little heavier personnel this week. Oh, look at Jordan foot with the with the, with the, <laughs> with the play. And Mahomes literally drops a ball in Jody Fortinson's hands. Like if there's another view of it, I don't know if we have that view of him just running uh, in motion. Uh, yeah, you're going to see. Well, this one works, too. But like the ball just got placed perfectly in his hand. <laughs> just down the sideline an absolute dot to your third tight end <laughs> it's just just what this te- what what Mahomes did last night in a, a huge game for both teams hit the like button hit the subscribe button leave some comments talk some smack on the chargers by the way but what that what what Mahomes did with with the with the with the context probably isn't even appreciated enough because like we're all dismissing the fact that all these weapons are gone. It's being very dismissed out there, even though like everybody's a- acknowledging a good performance. But good luck putting, like, good luck putting any single quarterback in that situation. Josh Allen can't do that. I'm sorry, Josh Allen's the second best quarterback in the world. He can't do that. He can't. He can't. It's Patrick Mahomes. Big gap. Everyone else, I don't care. Argue with your cat about the rest of the list. It's Josh Allen too, but it's a gap. There's a big gap. I don't care. Rant, mate. Rant about came out there. About about, about. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. I, I okay. I, we get, get a lot that came out there, so I'm gonna work backwards through this here. Um, <laughs> yes, it's Patrick Mahomes, and then there is a gap. I don't. Josh Allen might be as physically talented in different ways as physically talented. Same with Justin Herbert. There might be guys out there that are on the same level physically, and you could even give them edges in certain things. I do think there is a control over an offensive system that Patrick Mahomes has. And I don't think you see very many players in the NFL. If quarterbacks get to Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, maybe Aaron Rodgers at points, but man, he always seems so angry at his offensive system. I don't know if he counts here, but like there's only a few guys that ever get to the level that I think Patrick Mahomes is operating in Andy Reid's system right now. And we, as a group, are relatively critical sometimes of that system and that scheme, maybe not always doing the most for him, but like you can just tell there's a certain level of command and checks and understanding why they call this play on this drive, why they call this play versus this formation. Oh, in the first half, the Chargers are having success because you've lost literally every receiver you've thrown a pass to in the past three weeks. Okay, that's fine. Let us get to halftime. We'll reset and then go back through it, and I'll still be the best player in the world again, and nothing you can do is going to stop me. You want to put Derwin James on my rookie wide receiver we haven't used all year long on a third and seven? No problem. You want to try to put him back on Travis Kelsey because he shuts him down, quote unquote? No problem. 
Patrick Mahomes is the best player. And I don't think it's close. And for me, I think I'm going to go with even a different play. I, I, I don't know if we have this highlight because it's maybe not as hyped up as some of the other ones. It was the Justin Watson dig. It's third and seven <laughs> on your own oh, seven. Baby. Down four. It's not even the throw. The throw is phenomenal. The play is great. They just had an incompletion on a deep shot to Noah Gray where he couldn't quite come up with it. Great play by Troy Reader, I believe it was, to knock it free. <laughs> but almost every other team besides maybe the Bills is going to go ahead and just chalk this drive up try to pick up five, six yards so they can play the field position game. Nah, not the Chiefs, not Patrick Mahomes right now. He's going to drop back again after a Chargers pass rush had been pretty decent. Not a lot of sacks, but getting decent pressure up to that point. And he is going to rip a 25-yard dig route on third and 17, throwing the ball out of his own end zone. That's not something that people do when he's throwing it into the middle of the field versus a defense that's quite literally setting up to stop that. Because this is the Chiefs. They're not going to hit you with a nine route on the outside to try to fix third and seven. <laughs> this is not their, that's not their solution. Justin and Herbert. he doesn't care. And it's to Justin Watson. Justin Watson is getting a ball put in between his numbers on a 25-yard dig from their own seven-yard line. That's that is absolutely insane. It seemed like such a routine throw. The ease at which that play was executed, I think, like is the ultimate, like, hey, don't forget. Like, this is this is special. <laughs> and it's really hard to remember that, I think, during it, because I think we all talked about it. Craig, you brought it up live. Oh, minute 40s. Game leading touchdown is scored. Then they give that right back. And they're like, oh, there's a minute 40 left. We're good. No problem. Like, we're fine. Yeah. I I mean, friend of the pod, Nate Tyson, Robert Mays on The Athletic, said that it, they're done comping him to football players because now he's Michael Myers. Like, you just keep looking over your shoulder, and you're like, oh, man, he's still coming. That's what it is. He, he just... He's inevitable at this point, and he's going to post probably statistically his best season ever, and the fact that he's going to do that over the monstrosity that he put out there in 2018 is ridiculous. Maybe the only thing that he won't touch is that 50 touchdowns, but he's on track for 48 and 5,500 yards. I mean, he's going to clear some NFL records here again with a 17th game. I understand what, what that means and all of that, but he's doing this on the year that the offense was maybe going to take a little while to figure it out. Maybe start a little bit slowly, get integrated with all these new pieces. And then with all of the injuries and everything that has happened on this offense and the guys that he's continually having to throw to, this is exactly what Brett Veach and company were banking on when they made these moves and it's what the Packers tried to kind of do a little bit with Aaron Rodgers. you know, let's hope our quarterback can elevate the play of the weapons around him. Now, obviously Brett Veach has done a much better job of insulating him with weapons than green Bay has with Aaron Rodgers as of late, but they put him in these positions and gave him so much depth and so many guys to throw to that can be weapons. And maybe they're not, you know, 1A options like a Tyreek Hill, like we've grown so accustomed to here. But it is so fun to watch him elevate the rest of the offense, elevate the receiving core. I mean, this is exactly what, like I said, exactly what they were banking on when they made these moves this year. And it's it's crazy to think about. This is going to be the number one offense in the league. And if you would have told me it was going to be the number one offense in the league in the offseason with all those moves that we're making – Man, I, you know, it, obviously all of us would have taken it, but I would have wondered 
what happened. Who'd they trade for? Who did they acquire? Because the guys that they got in the room right now are good, are going to make for a good offense, but number one overall and number one by a long shot? No, no way. No chance in hell. I said before uh, before the season started, I think this was an opportunity for Mahomes to show how big the gap between him and the next best quarterback is. I think he's doing that now. We're all here celebrating the death of the AFC West's chance of dethroning the Kansas City Chiefs, and now Tucker Franklin's going to talk to you about liquid death. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I've got to tell you about our friends at Liquid Death. And by now, you know that those strange tall boys in the bottled water section, there's not actually beer. It's uh, mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. It's a crazy new water brand. Cans look wild. I've got one right here. You know I've already got the severed lime with me. One of my favorite flavors, my favorite flavor, actually, of the Liquid Death. It comes in uh, several different flavors if you want the sparkling water, the still water. It's all great. But why is it called Liquid Death? Well, it'll brutally murder your thirst. That's why. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are here to bring death to plastic pollution. I love to see that. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to kill plastic pollution as well. Here's what you got to do. You got to go to liquiddeath.com slash KCSN to use their store locator tool, or you can go uh, find Liquid Death at your Target, Walmart, 7-Eleven, or again, go to liquiddeath.com slash KCSN, find a store locator tool, use that, and that's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And let's get back to the show. All right, man. Anything else on offense before we got that you really want to talk about? Are you, you desperate to talk about? Because, like, I mean, there's plenty. And, like, we've got a lot of stuff to discuss this week on the KCSN Substack. And, I, you know, but anything else big that we need to hit on that we haven't the last two nights of uh, Unfortunately, I mean, yes, there's a whole lot. And it's a shortish week because it's coming off a primetime game. And, like, with the holidays coming up, right? Like, it feels like a very crammed in week. But... The run game, the run game was clicking. I know we touched on it on the live post game show, but I think a quick rewatch, it, I think it still shows you it was impressive. It wasn't very impressive. I know the Chargers don't have a great run defense. I know their defensive line was light in terms of the bodies they had be able to run out there. And they like to play nickel a lot. And Kenneth Murray is just so bad. So, like, I get it. Like, I get why the run game worked. But it doesn't always – it's not always that good when it's supposed to be. The switch to Pacheco clearly makes a huge difference. And I think even more so than just making that switch and being more dangerous with the running game, it's that, okay, Pacheco gets a one-yard gain. Okay, he loses a yard. He misses a hole because this kind of stuff happens relatively frequently still for the rookie. 
But the thing is, you keep giving him the ball enough, he is going to not break a long one, but he's going to give you an eight-yard run. He's going to give you a 10-yard run here and there. You want to know why? Because he runs so hard and he's explosive. This isn't a Clyde or a D-Lair, and I don't want to throw shade to prop up Pacheco, but Clyde can sit there. You want to get one yard, two yard, that's fine, but his good run is three yards. His good run is four yards. There's no, there's nothing there. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. With Pacheco, you deal with the average runs. You deal with, yeah, he, I mean, he runs so violent, like Eric's saying here in the comments. Like, there's only so many times you're going to bottle that guy up for not having a quality run. And so the fact that that's in the bag, that can be in the holster. I think that's huge for the Chiefs going forward. As if they can get that balance the way it was versus the Chargers. I don't, I don't know how you stop it. I don't want 50-50. Just give me one or two drives where the run is featured. That's going to go a long way. Give me exactly what they did. That's exactly what you wanted them to do. They had some drives where the offense looked good and the ball was moved on the ground. And then they went completely away from that. They, they really did. And I, I think we were all kind of clamoring. It's like, man, mix in one or two more. I, I get you got Patrick Mahomes. He's the best player in the world. Mix in one or two more just to keep the defense off schedule, just to keep them a little bit off balance. And they didn't do it. And then they come out after the half and they start doing it again. And guess what? Chargers couldn't figure out which way was up at that point. They were getting absolutely trounced on the ground by Isaiah Pacheco. The offense starts moving the ball more. That's what kind of was the thing that got it kick-started, got the Chiefs back into the game, because at that point, it looked pretty bleak. The offense wasn't moving the ball. They were running the ball at damn near you know eight yards a clip at that point, and they just completely went away from it. You got a night where your offensive line is blocking ridiculously well, and they really did. Those guys did the job up front this week. Isaiah Pacheco is running ridiculously well as well. I mean, it, it, lean on it. Lean on it a little bit more. I know that goes against what Andy's typical tendencies are. He gets outside that first 15. He's going to start throwing the ball a little bit more, and then he's going to kind of reevaluate it. I'm glad that he did at half. Hat tip to him for going back to it because they needed it there in the third quarter. I just want to see when it's not going great, and it was against the Chargers, so they, it's not one of those typical Andy situations where he has a run that doesn't go great and he just completely abandons it. It was going great. So I want to see more of it. I want to see more of it mixed in. I'm fine if you want to run a few more times on second down if you are running the ball that well. I know that that hurts Kent for, for me to say <laughs> that, but I'm fine with it. Like I'm okay with it because this year – it seems like they're calling more play. It, you know, they go into the gap, go to GD counter on second down and being able to convert, being able to pick up five, six, seven yards and make it a third and manageable. That's great. That's why you call those runs on second down, but just call more of them. Don't make it go several drives without really featuring it or having a run and just completely abandoning it because it just doesn't work and the defense starts to pick up on it. And real quick, before you rip the run, Kent, um, I just want to say, like, I like Pacheco too for this reason, because he doesn't have to be in rhythm to run. I don't think that he's, even McKinnon or Clyde, there's kind of got to be a rhythm getting there where they're setting up blocks and they're seeing everything the right way. And part of this is maybe a slight negative to Pacheco's running style that is a little frantic. You know, he's moving, yeah. he's moving a little mentally fast and he misses some stuff, but because he's going so fast and always looking to get downhill, he doesn't need to be in rhythm. He can just get that one-off, you know, two carries a drive, and you might end up with 16 yards on those two carries. Those 16 yards matter when they come that way, and then you can rely on them from time to time. So 
I like his running style for this offense a little bit more just because he doesn't need that rhythm. Well, and I, I, I'm not, and this isn't dunking on Jarek McKinnon either, but like the fumble that he had was because there was a lack of rhythm to that play for him. Like things just got disrupted just the slightest little bit. And he's having to try to figure out and solve some problems and try to, you know, get a little bit, he's being a little bit more deliberate with what he's trying to do. And he lost control of the football in, in the midst of all that. So yeah, I like the, I like the controlled chaos of Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, I like the violence and physicality. I mean, he's, I, I joked about it yesterday. He's the Leo Chanel of uh of the of the of the rookies on the offensive side of the ball i think he's like the only rookie on the side of the ball basically but or you know not quite but um yeah it's just he's 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 got this this, he's just a tone setter and i i i worry a little bit like longevity like legitimately the way he runs and the violence he runs i worry a little bit about like his longevity and like how long like if he's going to be able to hold up and maybe part of like saving him for the second half of the season was saving him from himself almost um all things i'm hype thinking in my head maybe it's just because he's a rookie but like i worry about how physical i worry about how physical of a runner he is a little bit at times um defensive time we good offense fine patrick Mahomes is well, the best player in the world large gap shout out offensive line uh, they were a lot better yeah Jay smith too because it's pretty critical of him and andrew wiley for bouncing back from you know, missing some time oh, there we go Trey was much better, not even just on pulls. Yeah, yes, Matt Kinder, he was better when he was pulling, but I mean, he was he was lighting guys up all game long. He was at the end of the week prior to against us. So like he he was feeling it. I think he's getting back into what looks to be a healthier Trey Smith. Yes, some of those pull plays, they ran GT counter a few times. They even just ran straight up power or as Collinsworth liked to say, the uh, running back takes a couple delayed steps before running through the hole at the guard is block, lead blocking for as he pulls around or whatever Collinsworth tried to say. But um, he was really good. Trey Smith was good. I thought the whole offensive line played relatively well. The first half, the Chargers were getting them, but they they rebounded well in the second half, and especially in the run game. They, the offensive line played well. So golf clap there. And that's, yes, now we can go defense. Can we just talk about Chris Jones, the defensive player of the year, Craig? Yeah, yeah, we absolutely can because he is uh, and should be in consideration. I know that um, I know what you're going to you're going to say that, you know, Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, those guys are much more deserving and they're going to get votes. And those guys are probably the two. But what Chris Jones is doing with the players around him within the scheme that he's being asked to run is ridiculously great. He has been the catalyst for the defense you know, kind of picking up steam throughout the back half of the year here. Obviously, you know, the, the seven sacks over the last five games or whatever it is, might be last six games, leading the NFL. And that that has been awesome. But the run game, the TFLs, the negative plays, the batted balls, the, the impact that he is making outside of just those clutch sacks, those clutch pressures is immense. And it's keeping them in games. It, it's the reason why this defense is able to turn up the intensity in the second half of every single game. We we see it all the time here. You know, the Chiefs start slow in the first half. Steve Spagnuolo leans on the blitz a little bit more. You start to see a little bit more pressure come from the blitz. Now in the second half, they start leaning on the four-man rush a little bit more, and it's getting home. Like Dana obviously did as well this week, but Chris Jones has been that guy. And, you know, we... We have been critical of Chris Jones in the past. This is an outstanding season. He is fully deserving 
of Defensive Player of the Year votes. He gets my vote. I don't know that he'll win it just because it tends to go towards edge rushers. People are going to look at those sack numbers and go, oh, it's that guy over there. It's this one over here. But Chris Jones, his complete body of work within this specific defense, I don't know, you know, again, other than Aaron Donald, who he is outplaying this year, I don't know that there's another interior defensive lineman that can do everything that he is doing for this team. I, I don't think it's close to say that through what are we through 10 games right now that this is easily, I mean, easily Chris Jones best season for the chiefs. And that yep. includes, you know, the contract year where he's coming off or wanted to be contract year coming off 15 and a half sacks, you know, 19 tackles for loss. And I don't, his actually his stats could rival that oddly enough. Like he could actually get pretty close to that without having a D Ford and a Justin Houston and, you know, the edge rushers to help him out, give him a lot more one-on-ones and he still might come close to matching that production but just watching him he's infinitely better versus the run this year like whatever they're doing whether it is more spiking gaps like I do see him a lot still he's still penetrating into the backfield a lot he's still I don't want to say he's playing 100% gap sound but he's doing so in better times this year and maybe it's a Joe Colon effect maybe it's understanding Steve Spagnuolo's system but when you see Chris Jones jumping gaps to backdoor a zone run he's doing it at a time where it's working he's not getting beat by doing so which in the past yes it's led to some tackles for loss but it's also led to some big runs because he gets out of his gap this year that's not there He's just quite frankly playing exceptional football. He's definitely outplaying Aaron Donald right now. He has been the best defensive player in football, but not named Micah Parsons. I will, I will not be a full on homer. Micah Parsons is right there with him in terms of impact on the game, but they, that's how good that is how good that he has been this season. And, there's been times where I'm like, hmm, he's getting up there in age. He's going to demand Aaron Donald money, and he probably deserves it, and a team will pay it to him. I don't know if I think it should be the Chiefs. Maybe you try to pull some draft picks to you know, revamp the defensive line in his absence because I don't know if you can afford that contract. Right now, I don't know if the Chiefs can afford not to. I just quite simply don't think the Chiefs can afford not to do that. They're going to walk themselves, and you don't have to go full Rams, but you're going to get pretty close to walking yourself into a Rams contract-type situation because Chris Jones playing exceptionally well. Legereus Sneed might be on the up-and-coming for a contract relatively soon. You might have to pay one of your wide receivers a little bit of money, offensive tackles. like You're going to have to start paying some other good players big money, and when you're going to pay a defensive lineman, top end, you know, $25 million a year, like they're going to have to pay Chris Jones. That makes it difficult to build a roster. He needs it. I mean, like they have to do it. I don't think they have a choice at this point in time. Yeah. I hope you got your uh, Chris Jones uh, defensive player of the year props. Speaking of DraftKings. Hey folks, hate to interrupt, but I got to tell you about our friends at DraftKings and NFL Sundays are only getting better and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. I really love doing the same game parlays. The DraftKings app is the best app out there. 
you can't get a better experience just user-wise the deals everything it's perfect and with payouts bigger than ever DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL here's what you got to do got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KCSN Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Now let's get back to the show. We're back to the show. Um, I, one of the things that I kind of like, a pre, like we talked a little bit about this on the post game show and I, I didn't think it was just like sweeping changes across the board that really led to the chiefs changes on the defensive side of the ball and what, you know, kind of was the catalyst. It did it legitimately just kind of did seem like just improved play across the board. I think guys just definitely played better. I still like, I, I think I still maintain. I don't think I saw just drastic sweeping changes to what they were doing. It seemed like they were just executing better, Craig. Yeah, they definitely were. Uh, what we got to see, uh, they won on first downs in the second half. Uh, I have this stat right here. Uh, in the first half, the yards left to go, essentially, on second down, the average was 4.8 yards to go. So just under half the yardage on a given play there. In the second half, it was 7.4. The Chiefs were only allowing 2.6 yards per play on first down in the second half as opposed to the five that they were in there. That limits the playbook drastically, what the offense can do when you win on first down that way. Now, part of that was because Joe Lombardi was getting really predictable with some of his plays. He did not call a good second half. Steve Spagnuolo was able to tee off on that a little bit. That got them ahead of the sticks a lot more, but it was also because of the excellent play, as as Kent already referenced there. You had guys on the outside. Joshua Williams, Trent McDuffie, Legereus Need all had great games in the secondary there. You have Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., you know, putting up more negative plays, putting it out on the board there, and the defensive line playing better. That was really the biggest difference right there is they had a lot more second and longs that they faced the chargers did on offense and they were forced to open up the playbook a little bit throw a little bit more have some longer drop backs that allowed the four-man rush to get into it so yeah they won on the most important down where they were just losing so badly on it in the first half there 
I think there's a very real possibility that Joe Lombardi just quite literally ran out of tricks in the bag. Like, right, there's yeah. there's a very real possibility that they got this game plan going all week. They drew up a bunch of stuff that they thought was going to work, and it did. And by the end of the first half, by, you know, after that, maybe just maybe there was a drive or two or a play that was blown up. Like, it kind of looked like the Chargers ran out of juice they didn't have the play calls that they wanted anymore to beat the chiefs and then going to craig's point all of a sudden the chiefs are starting to execute a little bit better i still think the biggest change they made was defending a couple of those early down under center play action plays and it does it just takes defending one or two of them well we saw herbert miss palmer by a mile when legerius need was coming on the slot blitz and i don't even know if that's called I can't even. I I wish somebody would ask if that was a call or if Snead was just finally like, nah, I'm kind of done with this right now. I think I can get there. There's no way that they are going to get a crosser from Josh Palmer, who's a good receiver, but not a speedster. I mean, he's not a 4 2 runner, so he's not going to cross the field in time to be open right away before Snead gets to Herbert. That's what happens. Like, I just wonder the Chiefs made that one big, big adjustment, started playing better. I think the Chargers just simply ran out of stuff that they were putting in there all week once that happened. And then you just kind of got this hero ball offense that the Chargers went into. They started getting back to, hey, short passing game that's getting nowhere. We're going to launch the ball deep. And when that happened, they didn't look near as good. The running game seemed a little off schedule for them. And not that they were ever pounding the rock, but they were having some success. So yeah, I the Chiefs defense turned it around. I think a lot of different guys made big plays throughout the game. You know, we could go through them all one by one here, but just about every single player that played significant snaps made a big play at some point in time in that game. Like just about every single player I think came up with a pretty darn big play for the team. So like, that's just, that's good coaching right there. People are going to rip into Steve Spagnuolo, but that's just, that's good coaching. I think getting those guys in the right positions. If you think about, uh, I'll just throw a random guy. You're probably not thinking about I'm pretty sure Jalen Watson had a two yard tackle for loss on a screenplay out on the edge. Nope. They had two. They had two rookie corners lined up. They tried to go challenge both of them on a little, little quick bubble slip route, something like that. And Justin Watson blew it up. So you're just thinking about little plays like that. You probably can go through a bunch. I'm trying to think of how many times Trent McDuffie really got targeted. Uh, I don't know if it was much of any. Uh, it just was. Don't... It was. It was underneath stuff again. You know, stuff that they're gonna. <laughs> Certain charting sites are going to put on him, but it was all underneath <laughs> stuff. Yes, certain charting sites. Yeah, it's. But you're right. I, I think they kept. They kind of kept a lid on things too. I was just kind of concerned in the way the game was going early, and why I was very pessimistic is just it just kind of felt like they were going to be able to get some stuff down the field more than they wound up getting throughout the course of the game. Like obviously, you know, you saw the the shot play to Keenan Allen late, but I just I just kind of felt like they were going to be able to get more shot plays going than they actually were through the, through the length of the game more consistently. And it doesn't feel like, you know, it felt like the Chiefs kind of, I, I we haven't got to see the all 22 yet, but it kind of just felt like the Chiefs kind of kept a lid on some things uh, for a big chunk of that game. And the, and the pressure started getting home a little bit better too. Like there, there's a little bit about, there's a little bit of that too. Like, I think that those were all big factors. Um, anything we're missing on defense, Matthew, where do you want to go next? I um, wait, Juan Thornhill had to leave the game with an injury and in his place, I think Brian Cook probably came in and played the most reps of what it looked like live. Deion Bush then took Cook's place. So both guys came in, both guys played well. I think, you know, maybe I could nitpick a little bit here that Brian Cook could have been a little bit more closer to helping Keenan out on that long play, but it looked like it was quarters. I don't think anything held him there. 
So, I mean, maybe he was a little late working out over the top, but that wasn't his responsibility. Outside of that, I don't, I don't think I have anything to say. I thought Brian Cook did a good job coming up underneath and in run support when he had to. I'm excited to go safeties. Hard to see live, especially in an intense game, right? It's hard to watch them, but I want to go back and watch and see what he did because, you know, I'm going to be straight up honest. I don't think Juan Thornhill's had a great middle stretch of this season. I think he's really late on some of their rotations. I think he's really late to get to the sideline when they want to play so much cover too. And I don't always love him coming up to play the run as well. Like we starting to get a lot of areas where I don't know if I'm loving the way Juan Thornhill is in those situations. If Brian cook can provide even similar level of play, I wouldn't mind seeing him sprinkled in, especially while Thornhill's not 100% you know, down the backstretch this year, since Thornhill is going to be a free agent after the season. It's also kind of worth noting that Justin Reed seemed to be a target of the chargers earlier oh, yeah. on in this game. Well, and boy, it did not go well for the Chiefs defense there. Justin Reed not looking awesome, especially in man coverage there. Kind of got beat by a backup, backup tight end on a drag route. That's something that you would expect oh. that he would be able to close up on. Not awesome. He's even a move. There. Just ran away I from know. him. I know. So, I, I mean, safeties still question marks there. Linebackers, phenomenal. I, I mean, it, it's, it's what you expect out of them, out of both of those guys. You get to see both of those guys playing downhill, playing a lot better you know we we have gone through this with these linebackers before you know you send them on run blitzes a little more often because they seem to be more comfortable moving downhill over the past three weeks nick bolton all of a sudden it's not the run blitzes only like the him scraping over the top of that of that uh sweet play to the outside there and making that stop that is a second reaction play that's a phenomenal play by by nick bolton Willie Gay Jr., obviously, you see that trigger on that blitz. You see that trigger and the ability to just completely close up the distance and get the sack. Those two guys have been so good for the past two, three weeks. And I, it gives you hope because I think if you point to, other than the safeties, if you point to any part of this defense and you say, hey, where's a spot where it might not go well? There for a stretch, it was the linebacker play, especially when teams were going heavy and they were asking them to fill an act an extra gap and the Chiefs were having to go to run blitzes a little bit more and that left them vulnerable to some big plays. Now you're seeing them play a lot better within the scheme. This looks like Nick Bolton did last year playing the mic. It looks really, really good. So I, I think that that's the spot. I think that's the spot that you should get the most excited about improving again. Second halves of games, they're clearly going through and making some tweaks there. But the fact that Nick Bolton has that put on his plate as a Mike linebacker to make all those changes, come out after the half and execute them the way that they are, that's awesome because that, that speaks to his maturity level, his intelligence, and the way he calls the defense. Everybody watching this right now, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button, please. Helps us grow this fine sports network that we're trying to put together here. Uh, helps more Chiefs fans find what we're doing um it is stickers slaps and spirits time unless maddie has to interject we good listen if you want to if you want to shortchange this defense of this great football team because you don't like them i guess that's what we're doing i we gave them ample amount of time i feel like it was an evenly distributed show okay, uh, it wasn't but that's okay i want to move on now um so i do have a question before we get to that though like what what are the odds that I mean, this is part of it here. So from from Tilly, why can't we consider Travis Kelsey for an MVP? Is it such a crazy idea? 
yes, it is a crazy idea. Yes, we can't consider him because it's a quarterback is always going to be more valuable and the best player on the field. However, what are the odds that the Chiefs can win MVP and Offensive Player of the Year if Travis Kelsey goes on? If he keeps up his pace, he's going to set. If he plays every game and is on the pace he's on, he is going to set career high in receptions, yards, he's already tied touchdowns, and touchdowns. He is going to be among the league leaders in all of those categories for receivers, not just tight ends, but receivers. What are the odds the Chiefs can win? have a winner for MVP and Offensive Player of the Year in one season? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say 0% because they're going to give it to Tyreek Hill. Yep. <laughs> that, I, that, that's why. Yeah, I, I, Corey I just, got there in the comments as well yeah you go off yeah well i think the narrative around tyree kill will give him that award because he's pacing for an absurd amount of yards as well i think at one point was pacing for over 2,000 receiving yards that That's offense, about a third of the touchdowns that team is going nuts right now uh relative to you know what they've been in the past um and tyree kills a big catalyst for that some people have the audacity to consider him in the mvp conversation although he has a better case than tua um but i just i just don't think that there's any way that with patrick Mahomes being mvp that they'll also hand the offensive player award to him that they might cannibalize each other from in, in the voting like some people might knock Mahomes, if Travis Kelsey is your offensive player of the year, like you might get a little bit of that. So I think you got to give it to somebody else from a different team. Tyree Kill's going bonkers this year, too. So I don't know. How many more touchdowns does Kelsey have to have, though? Like if Kelsey gets, if Kelsey has 18 touchdowns, yeah. Yeah. If he hits 18 and Hill hangs out at seven, like that's a huge gap. Yeah. It is. Points on the board. And Hill's going to have ridiculous reception numbers and ridiculous yardage. Don't get me wrong, but points. Putting points on the board, getting buckets matters. Like it's 60, if it ends up a 17, 18 to some single digits, that's a huge gap. So I didn't, I didn't know. So then, next question MVP, oh, hang on, hang player on. of the year. Oh, okay. But before you go on from that, I think it is more likely that Travis Kelsey gets several MVP votes than wins offensive player of the year. And I say that because apparently this year you have five votes that you can make for MVP if you are making the MVP voting. So you're going to place them. Basically, it's going to be like ranked going through there. Yeah. Travis Kelsey is one of the five best player in the league, five best players in the league. So he's going to get MVP votes this season. And I think it's hilarious because Russell Wilson none of them still will never have any still um, will never happen that no, no, no. that ship has think, sailed that ship has think, sailed on that man's opportunity to get those do you think somebody gives him a lifetime award and just writes him in as a number five just one guy no, for a lifetime no. because like because they finally can that man no, they'll give it to a, they'll give that vote to geno smith who's in seattle right now <laughs> they should okay. i have so that man deserves zero grace so zero now, lifetime achievement Defense carried it. He and Chris Jones, defensive player of the year. What are the odds the Chiefs can win both of those? I think it's more likely that that happens than MVP and offensive player of the year. I think, and especially since if Travis Kelsey is up there and offensive player of the year, you can kiss Chris Jones's chances at that award. Goodbye. Nobody's going to go chalk. Now, it it doesn't matter what Howard's. Yeah, I, I agree. I totally right. agree. You should vote for the best ones, but they're going to sit there and go, well, we're giving this to Mahomes, and I'm voting for Kelsey. I can't vote for a third chief here. Yes, you can't do that. <laughs> um, I, I think it's more likely 
if Tyreek Hill all of a sudden kind of pops really big towards the end of the season here and he starts commanding that, that gives you the better chance, especially with the way that Chris is playing, that he can enter into the conversation and potentially take it from Micah Parsons, who, I mean, frankly, it, it's probably Micah Parsons is to lose, but a lot of things can happen in seven games. Chris Jones goes on a tear here. It's hard to ignore what you can do from the interior of the defense, and I think that some voters will look at it that way too. All right, sticker slaps, spirits time. Game balls can be handed out. Leave some comments uh, before the show's over. We give a game ball out. Jordan will pick somebody that gets a game ball uh, for the Chiefs uh, winning essentially the AFC West uh, 30 to 27. Uh, my helmet sticker is going to uh, good health. <laughs> Matt? <laughs> <laughs> You had to listen. You had to listen to the post game show to get that one. But it, yeah, you go back and listen to it. Inside joke. I mean, everybody. Here go back listens, and get right? it. Right. Go back and get everybody it. Listened. Um, I'm gonna have a real one. I'm gonna go with a butt slap. And we barely talked about him. I think it's worth talking about. Sky Moore. I the Chiefs haven't got him out on the field very often this year. They that they, they, there we go. Yep. See there we go. We haven't. They haven't got him out onto the field very often this year. And when they have, when they've targeted him, things have generally gone well. Besides the two interceptions, which you know have been miscommunications or him running the wrong route, right? But he gets out here now in a situation where it matters. They don't have their number one wide receiver. MVS, they might as well have not had for the majority of the game at number two. But Cole Hardman's also out. Kadarius Tony goes out of the game. They're essentially, you know, three and a half receivers down. And here comes Sky Moore. He starts to become kind of the go-to guy that's not named Travis Kelsey on third down for Patrick Mahomes. I think it mattered. I think that was really good for the rookie. He performed well in the moment. And I think that's going to go a lot to building on, you know, the back half of this season for him. Whole ass bottle of vodka goes to Steve Spagnolo. I know that seems like the easy one for me, but Steve Spagnolo's defense through 10 games has 49 tackles for loss. That is 49 negative plays. That is already more than the 2021 defense or the 2020 defense posted in 16 games. The 2021 defense was 56. Creeping up on that in a hurry there. That is the difference. That is what's making this happen for the Chiefs defense, especially in the second halves of games. So many negative plays. Nick Bolton obviously leading the group there, but Chris Jones right behind him. Steve Spagnuolo getting this defense to create more of those. That, that's the key. Whole ass bottle of vodka there. Uh, let's look at some game ball options uh, for the chat. I see Isaiah Pacheco. I think that's a great one. That man's running hard. He's playing well. He's playing well late. Uh, yeah, I think he's well-deserved. I'll, let me throw it. Let me throw a helmet sticker on Jody Fortson. Uh, let oh, me yeah. throw it for real one. I think that's a good one. That's a big play down the sideline, getting some opportunities. Um, you know, and I, some blocking on the edge too, as I think Maddie was kind of highlighting as well. So, uh, yeah, shout out him. You know, it's kind of been a quiet couple of weeks for him, but you know, he's back in the fold, back in the mix and came back in a very big way. That's the third tight end for the Kansas city chiefs. That's just stepping in there and making plays. Uh, with uh, with Patrick LeVon Mahomes, the greatest player in the world, with a huge gap between him and Josh Allen. That is going to do it for this episode of the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much. We will be back airing Thursday night, <laughs> I believe, or Friday morning with the game preview. We'll catch you all later.